Well, good morning, saints. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you have one, and turn or scroll to Proverbs chapter 1. As you're doing that, I'd like to, we have some exciting things going on. I would like to welcome the Kurtikas who are with us this morning. They are our newest international ministry partners. You will notice the Scottish flag to my my right. Um, More on that later. They will be sharing at the church dinner tonight, which is at 5 p.m. So if you haven't signed up, I really encourage you to come out this evening at 5 p.m. So bring some food with you and uh, join us for that. Last week, I gave a trip recap uh, from Kazakhstan, and I neglected to give a very important update. If we flash the picture here, this is Pastor Pavel in the beautiful scenery that is Kazakhstan. Uh, The focus of our ministry over the last 10 years has been with the family from his church, uh, the Esenovs, and I meant to mention more about them. How we got involved in Kazakhstan to begin with, 13 years ago, there was a family by the name of the Esenovs who had adopted nine kids, and they had a house fire. Mercifully, only one of their children was injured. But we, Derwood Bible Church, along with a few other churches, put some money together to build them a nice big house, one that had smoke detectors in every room, which was not the case prior to that. And it's a good thing that we built a big, big house because they went on to adopt 49 kids, legally adopt 49 kids to give them a hope to give them a home full of love and structure. And the latest count was 49, and then COVID hit. And I thought to myself, well, I should ask, are they still at it? Well, yes, they are. They adopted six uh, since 2019, and they're now at 55. Uh, I am here to tell you the ministry that they have to these young people that they bring into their home is just beautiful. So that's a little bit about what we do in Kazakhstan. So this morning I am tag team preaching with my uncle Rob, whom you uh, heard from earlier. So I'd like to get right to it. Uh, We are in a series in the book of Proverbs, and the subject is wisdom, God's wisdom. I think we agree more than ever before, we need God's wisdom to form our lives on God's wisdom. So here's an introductory definition that we're going to develop regarding wisdom. Uh, the ability or the result of an ability, this is um, from freedictionary.com, to think and act utilizing knowledge, experience, common sense, understanding, and insight. So keep an eye on those five Concepts, uh, knowledge, experience, common sense, understanding, and insight. Our key verse last week was Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The beginning, the entry point of gaining wisdom, God's wisdom, is a fear of the Lord, which we define as a reverence for God. A reverence for God, for his glory, and for his truth. So this morning, 
we're going to focus on the pursuit of wisdom. That's me. And then my uncle will come and speak to the benefits of wisdom. So Proverbs chapter 1, I'd just like to read a few verses this morning. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, we read this. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hate reproof? And turning the page to chapter 2, verse 1. This is what we read earlier. I'm going to read a few verses. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find And find the knowledge of God. Regarding the pursuit of wisdom. There are just three points that I would like to make this morning. Very sincerely so. The first one is this. These points are rather obvious. But they're very necessary for us to keep in mind. The first truth regarding God's wisdom. Is that God's wisdom is readily available. That's really important. The wisdom of God is readily available to everyone. The Bible celebrates the wisdom that comes from a long life. We all recognize that those who are particularly elderly have gained a lot of life wisdom, hopefully. They've learned from their mistakes. They've seen a lot. They've been around the block. And they possess a wisdom that comes with being aged, that comes from being experienced in life. And we celebrate and we acknowledge that wisdom. But God's wisdom incorporates that, but that's not the totality. The wisdom of God is readily available to those who are young, to those who do not have a lot of life experience. No matter your age, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic status, if you will, wisdom is available to you. God's wisdom. That is so important for us to keep in mind. The Old Testament, the New Testament speaks of that. The reason why I read from Proverbs 1, I love that imagery. Wisdom raises her voice in the streets, in the marketplace, all the noise of life, all the distractions of life. She raises her voice and saying, I am available. Second, this is equally as important, is our disposition 
towards wisdom. Wisdom is readily available to everyone. But we need an intentional disposition towards God's wisdom. The Bible speaks both of the availability of wisdom and the need to pursue wisdom intentionally. The truth is we pursue in life that which is most important to us. I'll say that again. We pursue in life that which is actually most important to us. Take a look at your time the last few days, the last week, the last month. Where your time is, that's where your treasure is. There are lots of things in life that we need to do. But we know, we know this. That which is most precious to us is where we will allot our time and our energy and position ourselves towards that pursuit. And so, the cry from scripture, particularly in the book of Proverbs, is create a disposition in which you are pursuing wisdom. You value wisdom. You see the value of God's perspective, God's truth, God's wisdom in your life priorities, in your daily schedule, in your pursuits, what you run after. Romans chapter 16 says, referring to the Lord, it says, God, the only wise God, the only wise one, wisdom begins and ends with God. There is no one more wise than God. There is no one who possesses more wisdom than God. As I said before, these are rather obvious truths. But let's tie it together. If I pursue God, I am pursuing wisdom. I cannot pursue wisdom without pursuing God. If I'm not pursuing the Lord in my daily life, I'm not pursuing wisdom. Third, like I said, I'm rifling through these. Wisdom must be a top priority for us. Readily available, not hidden, not secret, not out there somewhere, but readily available. But we have the responsibility to pursue the Lord, to pursue wisdom with all that we've got. Look at chapter 2 again. Of Proverbs, verse 3. Well, verse, yeah, verse 3. If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Do you see the progression? When you search for it with all that you've got, you will then understand what the fear of the Lord is. When you get the fear of the Lord down right, when you reverence God, when you reverence who he, who he is, that is the gateway for you to understand and to gain wisdom. But if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you will never find the wisdom of God. 
Even though she cries out in the marketplace, in the marketplace of life, I'm here, seek after me. If you do not have, if you do not seek the fear of the Lord, if you are not seeking the Lord in your daily life, you're not going to find or grasp his wisdom. So let me ask you this little illustration. Let's say you were informed that in your backyard or your anything that belongs to you, it has just been discovered that there is actually an ancient ruin, probably valued at about $10 million. But, you know, it's about 10 feet under. $10 million minimum in your backyard. Now, I have a question for you. How long would it take you to assemble what you need to get to that treasure? Would you invest five, ten thousand dollars to get to the ten million dollars? Would you not have something, you know, a little digger thing in the backyard the next day going after that treasure? This is the illustration that the Lord uses when it comes to wisdom. Is it is upon us to seek for her as we would hidden treasure. That is my question to you this morning. Your pursuit of the Lord, your following of the Lord, your daily priorities, your weekly priorities, do they align with the fact that you deeply reverence God above all and everything and everyone else? My sincere admonition to you as your shepherd this morning is if that is not the case, it is time today to realign your priorities so that we are seeking the Lord as we would hidden treasures. We'll develop this as we go on, but I want you to see the prize and the beauty of God's wisdom, of seeking it above all else. We live in a society and in a culture, we all know this, there are literally a million things coming at us to distract us, so that we get sidestepped to discourage us, to, to occupy our thinking with literally meaningless things for hours on end. I want to remind you and encourage you, this is God's wisdom right here. And we should pursue the Lord and his wisdom with all that we've got. So I'd like to ask my uncle to come out now, Uncle Rob, and he's going to speak to the benefits of wisdom and here he is so we continue in proverbs chapter 2 we've seen the pursuit of wisdom how does wisdom benefit us now many of you will have 5g on your cell phones notice i didn't say mobile phone but on your cell phone you'll have 5g and right here in proverbs chapter 2 we have that 5g And the first one we will see is gratitude. Have a look at verse 5, gratitude. Then, then, key word then, because it's the connecting word, having pursued wisdom, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. Now, we can have a whole sermon on the term, the fear of the Lord. And Colin brought up uh, at the very beginning of his talk, that verse from Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, if we don't fear the Lord, 
We're not wise people. So where does wisdom begin? I'll tell you where it begins. It begins at the cross. Because the fear of the Lord gives us a right perspective of ourselves and of God. The fear of the Lord means that we understand that he is a holy God who hates sin. But then the devastating news is that we are sinners. In other words, by nature we are poles apart from God. But the joy of the whole Bible, and we're not just in the New Testament here, here is the Old Testament saying the same story, our hope is in the cross and in the person of Jesus. That is where wisdom begins. Unless we have come to the cross in repentance and faith, we are not wise. In fact, the psalmist said, didn't he, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And the world outside of Jesus thinks they're so clever, they think they have everything all sorted out. But without that visit to the cross, we are fools, and we don't have that wisdom. But notice in verse 6, key words here. It is God who takes the initiative. Do you see it in your Bible? Verse 6 says, for the Lord grants wisdom. Now when two people come together to get married, one of those people will have taken the initiative to ask that all-important question. And the Bible makes it very clear that while we were still enemies of God, he took the first move. He took that initiative to invite us to the cross in repentance and faith and to come into that relationship with him. But you see, when usually the man makes that question, will you marry me, there has to be a response. And so for you and me, as God takes the initiative to bring us into that relationship with him, through repentance and faith, there has to be a response. Doing nothing about it is actually a response. You're saying no. So as we leave here today, my prayer is that every single one of us will have made that point of responding to the intense love of God for us. Because that's our only hope. And that is the fear of the Lord. We have that fear knowing that he's holy. But we can become righteous because we are bathed in his righteousness and not our own. So the reason I chose the word gratitude is that we should never ever lose the thrill of our salvation. It is so easy, isn't it, to just get into the mundane of life. Even church becomes that regular thing we do on a Sunday. Please never lose the thrill of being saved. Gratitude to God. A while ago, we did, from our church in England, we visited every house on the estate that the church is on. 15,000 homes, and we visited everyone personally and talked to people on the door. We went in pairs, and I took with me somebody called Gloria, who's now in her 80s. She had just become a Christian. And I remember vividly standing at the door of a Buddhist and talking to him about the Lord Jesus. And he said to Gloria, what has changed in your life now that you've become a Christian? And she said, I'll never forget, she said, I now have someone to thank for everything in my life. The attitude of gratitude. And the fear of the Lord is there for us to be grateful to God for 
the opportunity to come to him. And I hope you've all done that or you'll do that today. To come to the cross in repentance and faith. The fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Without God, as Colin just said, without God, we're not wise people. You'll remember the, the parable that Jesus gave of the two people who built a house. One guy built it on sand and one, one built it on rock. Every one of us is building our lives on something. And Jesus was saying in that parable, if you want to be wise, you'll build on something that is solid, which is the fear of the Lord, the wisdom that comes from God in that relationship that starts at the cross. What are you building on? If you're building on sand, it will disappear. When life goes pear-shaped, you'll have nothing to fall back on. The fear of the Lord makes sure that we keep going and are strong, even when things go wrong. So that leads us to the, the second G, which is growth. <clears throat> See, it is, it is possible to come to know the Lord Jesus and to uh, rejoice the fact that he's our saviour, but are you growing? Are you growing? Have a look at verse 5 again. Then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. I just spent this last week with a 17-month-old. And in that one week, I was seeing her growth, not just physically, but in her language. Little words she was beginning to pick up. Growing. Any parent would be worried if their child wasn't growing physically, mentally, emotionally. Growing. My question to you, are you growing? Maybe you've been to the cross. You know salvation. You're grateful to God. But are you growing? And here we have this fact that we are, wisdom will be helped us to gain knowledge of God. There's only way, one way you can get to know somebody, and that's to spend a lot of time with them. I don't know many of you, because I've never spent any time with you. If you really want to get to know God, and grow in wisdom, then you have to spend a lot of time with him. A daily thing, not just that quiet time, okay, I've done my Bible reading, done my prayer, I'm, I'm fine to go into the day. It's that culture of prayer, cultivating a prayer life. Charles Spurgeon, who was a great London preacher, said this, I could never pray for an hour, but there's never an hour in which I don't pray. Cultivating the presence of God, growing, gaining knowledge of God. You see, when Peter wrote his epistle in the New Testament, he said this as he was finishing his second book. He said these words, Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow. The previous verse said that we were to put away, you know, if you have a garden, you're doing two things, aren't you? For things to grow in your garden, you've got to deal with the weeds. Otherwise, they will choke as we see in the parable of the sower, they will take over. And so growth means that we're dealing with sin that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. We're dealing with wrong attitudes, and that helps the soil to be healthy for us to grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of God. We should be knowing him deeply in our lives as we grow in wisdom. And that itself gives us wisdom. But notice in verse 10, with, for wisdom, the prayer is for wisdom... 
to enter your heart. It is so easy to be knowledge-based. And we could take it just from some of those words in chapter 2. Gaining a knowledge of God. This is not just a mental knowledge. This is a heart growth. Remember Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. He says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Every part of you. This is a heart relationship. But notice also in verse 10 what the result is. When you're really growing in that relationship with God, when you're growing in wisdom and knowing Him deeper and deeper every day, do you know what happens? It's right there in verse 10 and it's in your Bible too. It says, and knowledge will fill you with joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So even when things are going pear-shaped, even when there's difficulty and struggles in our lives, even where things are almost unmanageable, the joy of the Lord is there. And that comes from the wisdom that fills us in knowing Him and growing every day. An attitude of gratitude and growing. That's the exciting thing about the Christian life. You know the trouble with, we call them motorways, the trouble with motorways is that it's just one long boring road. The great thing about a, a country road, you don't know what's around the corner. You're always finding new experiences, new views. And that is, it is with growth. Where that excitement and that joy of discovering more about God. The third G is there in verse 7. Good sense. He grants a treasure of common sense or good sense to the honest. The word here, I have used mostly the New Living Translation, but it's also here in the ESV, which I think many of you have. The word discretion might be in your Bible. In the NLT, it's the word integrity. You know, the common thing that people say is common sense. There's not many people that it is so common. Wisdom that comes from God gives you integrity and discretion so important in our relationship with people maybe at work in our families with our in our neighborhood that integrity and discretion saying the right thing at the right time making the right move at the right time or learning to be silent in some situations wisdom gives you good sense because it gives you a sense of integrity and discretion what's the fourth g was right there in verse 9. Guidance. Guidance. Do you see it in verse 9? Then, then, key word again, once we have that relationship with God and we're growing in that relationship, we're growing in wisdom therefore, because outside of that relationship we can't grow in wisdom, then, do you see it in verse 9? Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Every single day of our lives, we all make decisions and we make choices. Every single choice we make has a consequence. Some decisions are big, might be life changing, some are small. But every single decision and choice we make, without exception, has a consequence. 
the Bible says here, when we are in a relationship with God, and wisdom isn't an abstract thing, it's a person. And as we are in relationship with the person of God and his wisdom fills us, we make right choices. Right choices in our relationships. Right choices in our everyday life. Guidance comes from God. So, if we know, and we do know down deep, that there's something we shouldn't be doing, if we know, and here's the acid test, the litmus test, if we know we can't ask God to bless something, why are we doing it? If you know you can't ask God to bless something you're planning to do, why are you even thinking of doing it? Guidance. Because every single choice and every single decision will have an impact on you for the rest of your life. Guidance. And our last five, 5G here, verse 11, is guarding, guarding. Do you see it there in verse 11? Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Will keep you safe. In the ESV it says, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Their wisdom will guard your heart. Now what is the context of that? Well, if you look at verse 12, it says, Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. See, the wisdom that comes from God as we walk with him day by day, is that it will affect our friendships. You know, there's a proverb that says, you're known by the company you keep. Why? Because those friends that you adopt will influence your attitudes, your decisions, your choices. Because often they have a wrong sense of right and wrong because they don't base it on the word of God. We need to choose our friends carefully. That doesn't mean to say we live in a monastic life. We're to live in the real world and influence people for Jesus. But we make sure that we influence them rather than the ungodly influencing us. You'll also notice in verse 16 that not only from evil people, but um, it will, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman. Friendships. All my adult life, I have been involved in youth work. Still am to this day. Work with teenagers both in school and in the church. Hundreds of people, thousands in fact, that God has given me the privilege to work with over the years. What saddens me is that many of those today are not walking with God. And the simple reason is they got into a wrong relationship. Wisdom guards your heart from wrong friendships. Wisdom is important. Do you remember in Acts chapter 6, there was a problem in the early church. Because there was a division between two cultures in the church, the Greek-speaking Jews and the, the Hebrew-speaking Jews. And there was a, a problem over the distribution of food that was going on amongst the widows. 
So the early uh, disciples, they said, choose seven men among you. But they have to have three qualities. One, they have to be full of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, they need to have a good testimony in the church and in the community. But thirdly, they need to be full of wisdom. Oh, come on. Why do you need to be full of the Holy Spirit? Why do you need to have wisdom to dish out the hot chocolate to these widows? Do you know why? Who said that a widow was 80 years of age? Guys, you're going into somebody's home who hasn't had sex for a long time. Don't go in alone. There's seven of you. Go with somebody else. Don't go late at night. Be wise in what you do. Don't counsel somebody of the opposite gender on your own. I've witnessed pastors in our own church who are now not walking with God because they didn't listen to that advice. Wisdom that will guard you in your relationships. Watch your friends carefully. You know, it's all really summed up in Proverbs 4.23. That says, above all else, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, more important than anything else in your life, above all else. There are no wasted words in the Bible, above all else. Guard your heart. Why? Because everything you end up doing, every decision you make, everything you end up thinking comes from your heart. So our hearts need to be right with God. Our hearts need to be full of His wisdom and we guard it. Do you know the very first verse in the 150 Psalms, chapters, the very first verse in Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Guard your heart. Guard your friendships. Guard your thinking. Guard what you watch. Guard everything. And that is wisdom. So what does wisdom do? What are the benefits? Well, we have an attitude of gratitude. I love being around people who have an attitude of gratitude because they're positive people. They encourage you. Gratitude for the relationships that we can have with God through Jesus at the cross. Growth. Growing in wisdom. Growing in that knowledge of Jesus Christ. With good sense, integrity, discretion. That is there that God gives. Guidance in every decision we make because every decision and every choice has a consequence. Guarding our hearts because our hearts dictate how we live. No wonder in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, the writer says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own wisdom. Trust in him and his way of thinking. Even if it seems illogical. Like when Jesus said, fill those jars with water, not wine. Doesn't make sense. Well, we're not looking at our sense, we're looking at his. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your word is so up-to-date and relevant. And we pray now that you would lead us to the cross where wisdom begins as we come into that powerful relationship, an exciting, growing relationship with you. And we pray that everything in our lives will point people to you. So you get the attention and you get the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.